Chapter 3 You've Been So Bad Beth dragged Gomes into the bathroom and closed the door behind her. She put the lid down on the toilet and sat on it, with her chin resting on her palms as Gomes writhed on the floor trying to catch his breath. Her long blonde hair was tied in a bun to accommodate the wig she had used to impersonate the elderly woman. With her model-like features and physical intensity, she looked like a large cat, easily able to dismember its prey. Jean, she whispered to him like a friend who was having to call him out, you've been so bad. His hands were wrapped around his neck, trying to catch his breath and massaging his bruised larynx. He stared at her, his face nothing more than a contorted question mark. Her calm demeanor was more disquieting than the pain that he felt. You screwed up a very important operation. Mine. Then you went rogue on a side project with Magnus. She paused for effect. Those transgressions may have been overlooked, but you told a civilian about it. I didn't tell anyone, he croaked. You told Jack Glasser. He already figured it out about the virus. He was threatening to call the CDC. I was just trying to manage the situation. Well, that just confirms you're a dumbass, she said dismissively. You couldn't even keep a lid on it from some consultant? Oh, that's fucking weak. Jean gulped hard and she continued. I mean, if your virus experiment had worked, well, it might have been a different story. But you couldn't even get that right. It was a lot of hard work I put in on Jack, and you and Magnus screwed it up. Beth paused to let her words sink in. Well, Magnus is dead, and you're not. So where does that leave us, Jean? I, I'm sorry, Gomes whispered. She smiled and widened her eyes. Now, that's what I've been waiting to hear. I'm sorry? Shit! That's great, big guy. That's all I needed she said enthusiastically, getting up from the toilet. Now, why don't you tell me everything, she continued. His puzzled look morphed back into fear as she turned around quickly, squatted, and put her knee into his chest. She put her face near his, nose is almost touching. I have. I've told you everything, Gomes said. Not exactly. You told me about Magnus but I suspect you and Magnus didn't concoct this plan on your own. Who else was involved? She stared at him for over a minute. His eyes glazed over. She felt something brush up against her ankle. Looking down, she saw Gomes had an erection. She grimaced. Dude, your timing is just a little off. Then hit him with a solid backhand, opening up a cut on his lip, blood flying across the room, hitting the wall. Look, you big stud, I need you to focus. It was Halvers, he screamed. He wanted it and funded it in return for backing Magnus's play against Draper. Hmm, I didn't think Magnus had the balls for something like that. Didn't think Glenn Halvers did either, for that matter, she said offhandedly. Gene, that's a good start and I'll get back to Halvers later, but I need you to focus. Who else have you been talking to, and what have you told them? He made a gurgling sound mixed with crying. 
There's nothing else. No one. She got up off of him and propped him against the wall while she resumed her seat on the toilet. Ah, but I think there is. One big question I have for you is how you managed to get out of Greenleaf and wind up here in Atlanta. Any thoughts on that? It was the Glasser brothers. They picked me up, then blew the fucking place up. They said they were going to turn me in. I got lucky because we all got caught. What do you mean, got caught, she asked, taken aback slightly. Gomes's voice was hoarse, barely above a whisper, but at least he could breathe, he thought to himself. Maybe there would be a way out of this after all. FBI, I think, he finally said. You think you were picked up by the FBI? They were either the FBI or they weren't. She was curious now. The night we shut down Greenleaf. The night I shut down Greenleaf, Beth interjected. Gomes continued. Yeah, sorry. The night you shut down Greenleaf, Jack Glasser and his brother, some other guys too, had me in a car. He licked his lips furiously. They captured me, so there was really no escape, Gomes added. The FBI stopped us on the road a few miles away from the Greenleaf facility. So, they were FBI. I thought you said you didn't know. Well, they didn't have FBI tags or jackets. They just looked the part. All clean-cut, silent, polite, and scary. They drove us to an airplane hangar and interrogated all of us. Did they interrogate the Glasser brothers as well, she asked? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there, but they were in handcuffs and put in different rooms. They asked me questions about them as well as the organization and my work there. I couldn't tell them much because I don't know much. It seemed as if they thought the Glassers worked for your people, too. I worked for Magnus, and he never told me shit. All I know was I was scared and tried to tell them about the virus, but they weren't interested in that. They acted like they already knew about it. The brothers, well, they blew it all up anyway. What do you mean they acted like they knew about it already? As in, they found out because you told them? Or because the Glasser brothers told them, she asked. Combs squirmed a bit, trying to think. Don't hurt yourself, Jean. Just tell me what you know, she said. I don't think they told them. The brothers were surprised they were being detained and they weren't talking. They treated them just like me. The agents I rode with mentioned the virus, so I just figured that's why they were there in the first place. Because they were tipped off, Gomes said. Beth considered this for a while. The incident that Gomes was referring to was the raid on Greenleaf Pharmaceutical, Canadian marijuana factory in the middle of nowhere. Her counterpart, Magnus Johnson, had successfully created Greenleaf, a legal marijuana facility, with the idea of laundering organization money. It had worked flawlessly. That was until Magnus found his entrepreneurial calling and decided to go all in on a project with Gomes to create a plant virus and a vaccine that would affect major food crops, thus creating the problem and owning the cure. It would have been interesting if it had worked, but he couldn't control it. 
Her mission had been to find out how Jack Glasser, a smart, wealthy 20-something, had made millions from organization member business transactions and knowing when to trade their stock, something no one else had done. However, after nearly a year of getting close to him, acting as his girlfriend, she found nothing. He was either a certifiable genius or some cutout for someone or some other group. Her boss, Draper, made the executive decision to cut short her operation, using Jack's interest in cannabis as a way to park him at the Greenleaf facility out of the way while Beth broke into his offices. Neither worked. There was nothing of value in Jack's office, and Magnus had gomes and accidentally let Jack stumble on their virus initiative. Magnus took him hostage to keep him from calling the CDC. The whole affair was completely fucked from that moment on, necessitating an accidental explosion at Greenleaf to cover up their tracks and eradicate Gomes' viral project. Magnus's days were numbered at that moment as well. He died from lead poisoning in the form of a bullet to the head, courtesy of Beth Colby. His body was left to burn in the explosion. There was an itch in the back of Beth's brain as soon as she heard Gomes' version. Her boss, Draper, had told her that there were no federal agencies dispatched to Greenleaf that night. She believed him because the organization had several very high-level Justice Department officials in their back pocket, monitoring every federal mission, sanctioned and unsanctioned. A chill ran down her spine. All this time, she assumed Luke Glasser had been on a one-man mission to find his brother Jack. But now she had a nagging feeling the facility's cover may have been blown long before. Were the mystery men watching Gomes part of that crew, she thought? Jean, there's more. They didn't just let you go. I know you're being watched or supervised by someone. My guess is U.S. Marshals. And they don't do that unless you're cooperating with them. So the million-dollar question is, what are you giving them? Gomes' expression was pure confusion. What are you talking about, he asked. Beth showed no emotion, just raised her eyebrows. Gomes was back in default mode, confused by all of her questions. I didn't have to do anything, and nobody is protecting me. They let me go. I swear to God, they let me go. They said they may need to ask me questions in the future, but I never heard back from them. I, I went to school at Georgia Tech. I love Atlanta. I've been looking for a job. That's the only reason I'm here. Beth could feel her face turn red, burning and tingling. It suddenly dawned on her that Gomes was nothing more than bait. How much time do I have, she thought. She turned back to Gomes, got up, and opened the door to the bathroom. She walked silently across the den and opened up a window above the fire escape. She walked back into the bathroom where Jean was still seated on the floor. Where are your keys, she asked. On the dresser in the bedroom, he replied, confused. Cool, she smiled, upbeat. She heard Gomes breathe a sigh of relief. Got him, she said quietly, 
as she came back into the bathroom and sat down again on the toilet. Jean, I'm afraid this is not going to work out well for you. He twisted his face. Dude, you're bait and you don't even know it. She pulled out her gun and removed the silencer, then put earplugs in her ears. It's okay. You can scream. I would if I were you, she whispered. No, was all he could get out before two bullets entered his body. A double tap, one to the chest, the other to the head. The noise inside the small bathroom was deafening, but that's what she wanted. She knew there must be other listening devices in the house. Otherwise, there wouldn't be four people monitoring him. She quickly grabbed his keys and put her wig back on exiting the front door and locking it before making it back to the old lady's apartment across the hall. Within five minutes, she identified the sound of muffled footfalls and saw two men exiting the elevator from the peephole in the old lady's apartment door. She took several breaths and quickly moved away from the door so no shadows could be seen under it. She sat down on a high-back sofa in the living room and waited for the knock on the door that would inevitably come. It took less than five minutes. Who is it? she asked, making sure they saw her darken the peephole. Federal agents, please open up. What do you want? Doing her best to play the part of a suspicious old woman. There's been an accident across the hall. We need to ask you a few questions, an agent said. Does it have to do with the loud noises I just heard? still not opening the door. Yes, ma'am, it does. She could see the exasperation on the men's faces through the peephole. Can you show me your badge? She asked as she quietly put the suppressor back on her gun.